Welcome to the Here on Speakerphone podcast, a podcast about two women celebrating the good days and navigating the hard days in the corporate world. Join us as we try to figure it out. And by the way, you're on speakerphone. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Your On Speakerphone podcast. You're on with Taylor and Deborah. I'm Taylor. I'm Deborah. And we are so excited to bring another conference call to you today. So we want to welcome Allison Mears of Still Revolution. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks so much for coming on. Is this your first podcast? Um, this is my first podcast. Oh my gosh, that's so, we have had so many people on where it's their first podcast. It's such an honor. <laughs> I, I, I call us- I've Go been ahead. on like a YouTube video before, um, but that's about it. Yeah, no podcasts. I've been, I think on the, one of the other episodes, I called us the gateway drug to podcasts. Like <laughs> we're like everyone's entrance. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm really into it. I've always wanted to like have one or be on one. So here we are. Well, welcome. Um, so today we have so many questions for you and you have such a cool story. I think a mm-hmm. lot of people are going to connect with. And um, so do you just want to give us your basic background right now? Just kind of like where you're from, where you went to school and what you're up to now? Yeah, so I'm from Pittsburgh and I'm back living in Pittsburgh. So I went to high school um, at Shadyside, and then I graduated and went to college at Emory University in Atlanta. Nice. And I came back pretty much right after. Um, in 2013, I came back to Pittsburgh, which was like, it, Pittsburgh is not, was not what it is now. And um, pretty much after a few too many drinks of alcohol one night and like <laughs> not being able to get a job in journalism, which is what I studied, my friends convinced me it would be a good idea to open a cycling studio because I'd been teaching um, for a while, both in college is when I started, like the beginning of college and then coming out. And so I opened a cycling studio in Shadyside, like a neighborhood of Pittsburgh, six years ago. Wow. Um, yeah, it feels so, I mean, I was 23 then. I'm turning 30 in January. You opened your own business at 23. 23. Girl. That's insane. Like you say 30, like it's a bad thing. You accomplished so much. I can't yeah. get over it. I know. It is a little crazy. I think like that's like one of the things that I tend to forget is that like, I, I don't know. I feel like we all just like are trained to so much focus on like what you didn't get done or like what went wrong that you mm-hmm. forget. I'm like, oh, that's actually is pretty neat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got oh, nothing wrong with more, being yeah. humble. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. So I opened it. It was I studied journalism at Emory, um, and I wanted to be. I really wanted to be like an on-air sports anchor, um, and there were like a couple different things that happened. I'm the infamous last intern at a news station in Pittsburgh because of sexual harassment that I was sexually harassed, and they blamed it on me. And it kind of like deterred me from wanting to go into anything like on TV. And then, so then I focused more so on like long form writing coming out of my like last year at Emory. And then when I was in, like when I was coming out of college interviewing for jobs, it was right when um, a lot of newspapers were folding and written forms were folding and Instagram had just come out, but was like, the mm-hmm. memes you see that's like the mm-hmm. joking like pictures of like this is what Instagram used to be mm-hmm. um that's what it was and Snapchat had just come out mm-hmm. so it wasn't like a real thing yet so those like weren't real jobs and so everyone kept telling me like everywhere I, I interviewed with ESPN I interviewed with like a bunch of people and they kept telling me I needed to go to grad school and I just wasn't ready for that like financial co- commitment when I wasn't sure if that's what I wanted to do mm-hmm. And so I went down to DC to visit some friends and we had too many drinks and joked about it because SoulCycle, SoulCycle is just coming about. And um, they were like, you could do that in Pittsburgh. Like Pittsburgh has nothing like that. Mm-hmm. And then I drove home the next day and I like arrived at family dinner because I was still living with my parents. And I was like, I'm going to open a spin studio. And my parents were like, no, you're not. And my, my dad, I think for like a couple months still kept sending me like job applications. Like, 
this is what you're doing. And I was like, no, 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 that's not what I'm doing. And then finally for Christmas that year, so that was like September for Christmas that year, my dad got me all these books on like cycling and like indoor cycling and opening your own business and like how to, so then like they were like on board with like, this is what you're going to do. So so, yeah. That's so cool and supportive. Like, it's such a dad way of being supportive, too. They're like, here's some books, read up. Well, and then, like, if you think back, like, a lot of, like, our parents' generations, like, I'm sure a lot, your parents are like this, like, it's like you have, like, one job and you mm-hmm. climbed that ladder. Yep. And now, even, like, I mean, I took, like, a completely abnormal mm-hmm. out of college range. But, like, most of my friends, it's like they've already had several jobs that they've hopped around it's like you don't have that one business you've worked for and climbed a ladder and my dad's a doctor so it's like he knew that's what he was gonna do and so sort of like the fact that I was gonna like and boutique fitness didn't exist in Pittsburgh and was Mm -hmm. such a new concept nationally that they were kind of like you're gonna make money doing this and so much so that when my dad's lawyer was writing like some of the business agreements for me he told me as I'm signing my operating agreement, he was like, this is never going to work. You're <gasps> never going to make money. How did that make and you feel? And I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> like, You're like 23 you trying to take the step yeah. and they're like, not going to work. And there's this like older man who's like very successful and a lawyer and he's going to be like, no. And I was just like, well, pray for me. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Yeah. And then, like, it's funny because now we you see him all the time. Mm-hmm. And he's always like, so, your business is doing well? I'm like, my business is doing well. Look at you so, now. Yeah. So, kind of going off of that then, I, so, so you didn't always see yourself as an entrepreneur. Like, growing up, you weren't like, oh, my God, I'm always going to work for myself. No. I mean, it makes sense because I was, like, the rogue child of the family. Okay. Like, if there was someone that was going to do it, it was going to be me. I think I was, I'm like a middle child. I was the wild child. I was the one that was like probably more in trouble or suspected that they were causing trouble. Um, so it's not surprising. I think that like I mm-hmm. did it, but I, I didn't know what I really wanted to do mm-hmm. except like I wanted to be someone it was like, I honestly wanted to be famous. I was like, I'm going to, I don't know. I went through this like kick of like, I wanted to like audition for Broadway. Like there was always this like point of, I just wanted to like have a presence. So then like becoming a cycling instructor was so natural because it's like you're in the spotlight, you get to control Mm -hmm. a room of people. It's like, I don't know. It's like this attention thing, but then it developed into like, which is so conceited. I'm very aware of it, but it's like, it's, (laughs) it became so much more. Once you actually become an instructor, it becomes so much more than like seeking attention. It's no longer about you. So has fitness always been a passion of yours or was that something that came later also? Um, Yeah, I like I played sports all through high school. Like my high school made us play, made us play. They really did though. It was like we had a three sport rule from middle school that like went on. So, and then I played sports all the way through college um, and I started, I ended up, I was put on a spin bike the first time in the seventh grade. Wow. As like, I think I, wow. I had a shoulder injury and they were like, go take spin classes and stay in shape. And I did. And it was like the music and the rhythm. I was like, this is awesome. So I used to make my parents drive me. And then once my sisters got their licenses, we would go to this like little tiny gym near where I lived at 5:45 in the morning before school started to go and then I would still go like once I got my license and then I got certified later on then I started teaching as like a side hustle Mm -hmm. in college which like I still believe in the side hustle to this day and I it was just like a way to make bar money and then stay in shape and um yeah and I kept like I just kept teaching through there and like yeah. And then I kept coaching sports that I played even out, even when I opened my cycling studio. Yeah. So staying in shape and being active has already always been a part of my life. But I think like the boutique fitness world, mm-hmm. once I joined that in college was a whole nother ball game that I just like fell in love with. Yeah. 
you know? Yeah, no, totally. So going from there to now, I mean, so you started out as a spin instructor as a side hustle in college. Now you own your own studio and you're moving to bigger and better spaces and places. Um, So walk us through a little bit of, you know, your, that journey, the past six years from where you started to where you are now. So when I had the idea when I was 23, well, I was 22 when I had the idea. So it was like 2013. I, it was, yeah, I was 22. And I was like, I'm going to open this. But like, I mean, I didn't study business in college and um, math numbers, like not my strong suit. So, but I did study English literature and journalism. So I was like, okay, I can read Mm-hmm. And I can figure this out. And as I started like putting together like numbers and um, a business plan and like the general like written concept of what I wanted, I was like, there's no way I can do this on my own. And um, so I like through growing up in Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh being such like an incestual pond of like everyone knows each other (laughs) I knew of two people one person who wanted to invest in small business in the fitness industry and another instructor who wanted to thought about opening a cycling studio but she had two small children and or she had once a a child at the time and a full-time job and was like this just like she couldn't do it on her own So I knew of them and I was like, I can't do this on my own. I'm 22 years old. And what do I know? And it was like a lot of self doubt that I think is just sort of, I don't know, like you're young, you're naive, whatever. So I pulled in two people and I took out a business loan. So that it was like split third through each of us. And I found, we found this like small space in Shadyside that was 1600 square feet and made it work into the cycling studio, which like at the time, the only thing in boutique fitness in Pittsburgh was yoga. So that's like what you're competing. And we're like, we're providing a bike. So this is going to be our price. And it wasn't that much more than yoga and Pittsburgh wasn't ready for like the New York LA pricing of like anything you see nowadays, it's like what, $35 a drop in, then you add shoes, water, and it's like a small financial commitment to go to a single class. That's so, I spin a lot and I'm going to DC this weekend and was looking at a class. It was like $50. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, I don't know how people stay in shape. You're like, I will take out a small loan so I can sit on this bike that goes nowhere yep <laughs> <laughs> um, well I just like I was wondering too like because you talked a little bit about that but like how did you overcome your fear and anxiety because being 22 and 23 is I, I it's a scary place to be at and then to be on top of that and put yourself out there I, that's unusual like you don't see a lot of people who are able to do that yeah I think that, like part of it was like the middle child in me that was like always like I don't know it's also part of my personality is I hate being told no to a point that like that's what got me in trouble growing up where they're like no you can't go out and I'm like I'll just sneak out (laughs) so there's that so and then but then there is this other side that that's where I don't know if I ever really did overcome it it was like so much doubt and that's why I pulled in business partners who did play a huge part and I never would have been able to open the first location without them but there were so many people like that they, I don't know, they keep telling you no. And like to a certain degree, even now you're told no so many times or you can't. And that still plays a part mentally. So I still like really advocate for, for like, I like anxiety is a real thing. And that's something like that's actually gotten worse with age for me. Like I used to be like invincible and now you see the world and how it works once you enter adulthood and you're just like, I, so I don't know if I fully ever really overcame the anxiety. It was just sort of like, I'm super scrappy. And I was like, I, no matter, come hell or high water, it's like, I will figure out a solution. Like mm-hmm. there, there's a solution to anything. Like you'll hit a low. And I think that's what my twenties kind of taught me most is like for every low of the lowest of lows that I hit. And there were some like bottom out moments, 
they were also the highest of highs. And so you mm-hmm. keep kind of like chasing the high of like, it will be okay. It will be okay. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like mm-hmm. the mindset I adapted. It was like, it'll be fine. Don't worry. It'll be fine. We'll figure it out. It'll be fine. Um, so I don't really know. Like, I don't know if I have a good answer of that. I just, I think you just have to have faith in yourself eventually that like, it will be okay. Like you will end up in life where you're supposed to go even if you have no idea like why anything's happening, happening to you in like a current moment. So that's kind of the attitude I adapted in like opening the studio. And it was like the first, I mean, I'd never been through a build out with like older men being like, Oh honey, mm-hmm. like, Oh my mm-hmm. gosh, they like talked down to you. It was so condescending. And it was like, they clearly knew, like I was like, knew what I was doing. So they took advantage of that. I mean, the project to build this like teeny tiny little space out took like six more months than it was supposed to, to get us open. I don't know. And then it also comes like from when, like in business partners, that's a lot of like advocating for yourself and like creating a relationship. That's a lot like a marriage. And there are things now in hindsight, like you are your biggest advocate of yourself and like things I didn't advocate for. Like I was the one running everything, doing everything. Like I should be like, your time should be paid for. Like there are things Mm -hmm. that just like you start to realize as you get older that like, I didn't know that I was, you know, and it's only life. I don't think a degree could have taught me that even, even if I had studied business. So anyway, but, um, So yeah, so we went from this like tiny little space and then my one business partner several years in had another child and just knew she couldn't give it the time that she once had and it was no longer like fair to me. And so she was bought out by someone else Um, because at the time I was like, we were looking to expand into a second location and I think I valued more I thought it was more important to be this like big major entity rather than this like one thriving single business. And you kind of let the ego of it get ahead of you. And I made that mistake then a couple years ago. Um, So someone bought her out with the intention of then like investing in our new project. And then that new project fell through um, for a number of reasons, mostly because of the location that ended up being like, the building itself was a disaster and we had to like get out of that. Um, But then it just ended up this like really unhealthy partnership of, which happens like partnerships are a lot like relation. I mean, they are relationships. It's like a marriage. Mm -hmm. And then you add money, which is like one of the most taboo topics for anyone to talk about to it. And just became, it became like a really toxic situation so then I spent the last like two years year and then in through COVID like trying to get out from a really toxic relationship which I've never been married or divorced but I would imagine it it would mean it was like like a divorce yeah like super messy were they were your business partners older than you or Mm -hmm. like men versus women older that did that change the dynamic at all it it did because I let the I I mean I'm for how much confidence I have on a bike and on a microphone, I'm super insecure and I've always had this like doubt in myself, which is my own thing to overcome. And I've dealt a lot with anxiety and depression and different things. And so I just allowed people that were older than me to kind of like, I'm like, I like, I'm a people pleaser by complete downfall and so it was sort of I just let two people kind of like I let them dictate my role sort of at the studio when like most people didn't even know they existed yeah so Mm -hmm. sort of like why am I letting two people control me and tell me like I'm not good enough or yeah this and that and the other when I was Mm -hmm. the only reason the business even existed right so it's it it is. It's like you're, you become your own worst enemy. Cause I was the only one that was ever going to be able to advocate against them mm-hmm. um, or fight for myself. And I never, there are parts, like I never fully stood up until it was almost 
too late to do so. So if there's a listener out there who is maybe, you know, hearing this and it's really resonating with them and they're thinking, yeah, like I need to advocate for myself too. What's the number one thing you would tell them? Go with your gut. Okay. Your gut in trusting people in your instincts with people, your gut in yourself and like what is, it's always right. You'll doubt it and you'll doubt it. You'll doubt it. You'll doubt it. And not always, I'd say like nine times out of 10, your gut reaction Mm -hmm. is correct. So use that, like use your instincts on yourself and how you feel and trust it. And I think it's just like, don't be afraid to stand up for yourself. I think if there's one thing I would do differently, it's that it's really like you at the end of the day, you're your own worst enemy, but your own biggest hero. Mm -hmm. And so not being afraid to stand up to people. Like, I don't know if either of you have watched Schitt's Creek. Oh my gosh. Every single episode. Yeah. (laughs) So there is this when, well, so sorry, Deborah, but (laughs) there's an, there's a line where David, who's like, what, 30 plus years old, and he's like yeah. anxiety ridden. He's ageless, yeah. <laughs> but he like has so much anxiety. He's so concerned what everyone thinks, which is a lot like me. I care so much what people think about me that, um, and I don't want to wrong that. But he needs to go get his license renewed, which he's been driving for like so many years. And he's so nervous and Alexis takes him. And she's like, ugh. David, no one cares. Literally no one cares. And it's, it is, it's like, you think people care so much about you and it's almost this harsh realization that like no one ever thinks about you the way you're thinking about yourself. Yes. Someone pull that clip. I love that so much. (laughs) And she's like, David, no one cares. And you're just like, (laughs) it's so, it's so nice. It's just so accurate. Cause it's like, I was so afraid to uh, make people upset or have anyone disagree with me that I almost, that I devalued myself and like each individual, no matter what your talent is, it might be different from those who you surround yourself with, bring something to the table, but you have to find personal value with that. And no one else is going to value it the way you do. Mm-hmm. So it's like, no one's going to care about you the way you care about yourself or yeah. see the value you bring to the table. And so I think if I've someone were like doubt, it's just like, trust yourself and fight for yourself, you know, like know what you bring to the table and know when other, like trust yourself enough to know that like when people, you when your gut is telling you one thing and you know that other people mm-hmm. are wrong. Well, you've and gotten, so, oh, sorry, go ahead, Taylor. We aren't very good at the nose We're touching. Not, yeah, so like, we haven't followed that at all. Um, <laughs> so my question was, <laughs> we're terrible listeners with each other. Um, but what made you so find that voice? And then it sounds like you found it right around co- when COVID started. And I'm sure your business was hugely impacted. So that's a lot to happen at one time. How have you been handling that? So it's funny, like 2019 into 2020 was kind of like, that experience of nothing can get worse. And you're like, I want there's a basement. <laughs> can I swear on this? This is allowed. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. And you're like, fuck, why did I say that? Cause it just keeps getting worse. So yeah. Yeah. 2019 was actually the year from hell and it was something I will never forget. And so like, how I found my voice was literally hitting the lowest of low that I've ever, I kind of, I kept letting people push me and push me and push me. And I had people for years telling me I wasn't good at my job. Like I wasn't a good enough instructor. I wasn't a good enough, but I'm like, meanwhile, we have a super successful business and I'm the reason why this is thriving right now. So it's like, but I let people devalue me and I was too, and I, started believe it's like Stockholm syndrome. You literally start to believe what people say. And then 2019 hit like the fall of 2019. And we, I knew we were going to have to settle to get out of the lease agreement of like where we wanted to expand to. Um, 
because that location was just like a mess. And also it was a mess, but like, luckily, like I would have ended up in a toxic partnership for another five years if I had stayed. So there's that. But, um, so I knew I was going to have to settle with that, which is settlements are huge chunks of money that was going to come out of us each individually, personally. And then my best friend's child died. My sister got extremely sick and had to come, like had to be, had to come home. And then I found out the sum of money I was to owe in this settlement, which as a small business owner for several years, it was like my entire savings plus some. So it was like, it then became this matter of like, how many classes do I need to teach to make ends meet and survive and pay off this like extremely large settlement and just like make it. So it was sort of like how many band-aids can I put on my life to keep myself together while I was extremely depressed and dealing with like so many emotional traumas and then like just being able to like pay my rent and my car payment and this and that, like it was just, it was, so I ended up teaching in December of 2019. I think it was, I, I taught just spin classes, not even like I teach another platform as well. Just spin classes alone. I taught like 80 some classes. And then on top of it, I teach another platform. And I, so December, I taught 131 fitness classes. Oh my God. Oh my God. And I just remember like, there was one point I got in my car in between classes and I was so exhausted, like mentally. I, cause I never even like addressed like some of the larger traumas that had happened in my life. And I just sat and I cried and I cried and I cried. And then I had to pull it together to go teach Mm -hmm. a class because you're giving like yourself to these people to energize them that it can't. Yeah. And then there was a point I was so exhausted and so depressed. And like when you're thinking about finances, like night and day, it takes a toll on you. And I remember thinking like there was no out. And like, I honestly just like wanted to end it. And I was like sitting on Christmas Eve in church, like crying, just being like, this is like, I can't do this anymore. I don't have it in me. And like somehow with like a number of people, I like pulled myself out of it and I got through it. And it was sort of coming out of a low, that low. And at the time I had like my boyfriend and my family that literally picked me up and like dragged me along because <laughs> like it's like a dead body like fumbling along I was like and that was the only reason I survived it it was like and you know you get through and you look back and you're like okay what what happened like when you look back and you're like why was I this way or you know you just start to realize you're stronger than you ever gave yourself credit for. I survived all of that and I kept going. And you just, I just realized that like the value of me, like I made it through all of this and none of my clients even knew the battle I was going through, which is not their job to. And, you know, you just start to realize like, I just sort of started to find in rebuilding myself again, I just started to find a voice of like, you just can't care as much what people think of you or, mm-hmm. and I think you also realize that like in being vulnerable and if I had opened up and told people how much I was struggling, how many other people are struggling too. And mm-hmm. that sometimes you just don't want to feel so alone. And I think of that it's like when I started realizing and like opening up and sharing my story and what had happened that I started to realize that like, I, like I matter and there are people that look up to me and that I need to start advocating for myself and for all like the women and people just like me that are just fighting to like keep going. So then when COVID hit and I was in this like turmoil with my partners, it was like, each day was 
um, an uphill battle of like, I was trying to like rent out bikes and get video streaming going, going. And they were like, no, no, no. And then the one day I got a call from our lawyer that they basically were like, we're pulling the plug. We're dissolving the studio. And I was like, completely blindsided. You put like your, essentially your entire young adult life into this. Yeah. And I like had to tell all of my employees, my staff, and I was getting ready to like send out this letter uh, to all of our clients being like, like, I'm so, so sorry. Like it was, oh my gosh, I, it makes me, it brings to your, it was like, you feel like you're letting this community of people down. And, um, and then I had an angel investor like sweep in last minute and was like, I believe in you and you're like, I want you to be able to do this. And so I moved, that's how I ended up moving to like a 5,000 square foot space and building it out. And it kind of like every bump that hit, it was like one of those things that you just have to believe that like every mess that I went through mm-hmm. 2019, beginning of 2020, COVID mm-hmm. put me in the position to then design this dream studio. Mm-hmm. And like you just, I don't know, it's just like in the little bits of faith that you can find in yourself, you have to just like stop and recognize that no matter what you're going through, like you will end up where you're supposed to go. And like everything does happen for a reason. And that was sort of like, COVID, it still ends up, I mean, the fitness industry is like bleeding right now just because Mm -hmm. numbers are going up, gyms are scary, and we are still taking a hit from that majorly. Um, But you just, I've been through worse, so you just have to keep believing like one foot in front of the other. The struggle is super real right now, but it's not permanent. It's never permanent in anyone, whether it's like fitness or anything, the struggle is never permanent. And that's just what you have to, like, fully take in sometimes, even when it's hard. Wow. That's a long-winded story, but yeah. No, that's that's absolutely incredible. (laughs) Yeah. I'm, like, speechless. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I know, you know, going off of all of that, um, I know that you've kind of gotten into a bit of coaching, Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about that, especially going off of your incredible story that you just told, I mean, to be able to take that and then flip it and be able to help other women, I think is incredible. So tell us a little bit about how you kind of hook all of that and put it into helping others. So the coaching thing kind of happened, like, so I, was like coming out of college. It was like the spring, like 2013. So I just opened the studio and I was like bullying that and shady side Academy reached out to me and was like, will you coach middle school across? So I know that this is not the coaching you're talking about, but this is right. <laughs> so I started coaching, coaching all aspects. <laughs> yeah. so I started, I was like, I can't do it. I don't have time. I'm too busy, whatever. And then I find they were like, we're desperate. We're desperate. We're desperate. Like you'll have an assistant coach. Like you'll be able to like maneuver your schedule, whatever. And I was like, okay, fine. And it taught me this like big, I told you, I'm a huge advocate of side hustling. First of all, I think it's like extremely powerful as a person, as a woman to have multiple streams of income and it comes in handy, like more so than not. I think people are sometimes are embarrassed to be like, yeah, whatever, but anyway, trajectory, but yeah. So I kind of started side (laughs) hustling and then I was like, this is fun. And I ended up falling in love with these kids. They were so much fun. And I was also helped that they thought I was like the coolest thing ever. And like, I always came in like fun leggings and they were like, coach Allie. And like, so there's like these little middle school kids. So then I got, then they asked me if I would in the fall coach field hockey for middle school and high school. And so it developed into that. And so then I ended up coaching in the spring, then like both middle school and high school lacrosse 
And so I, I want to give you a shout out real quick because you're like an award-winning coach. I think we need to give that a shout out as if you don't have enough going on. She's like very high achieving, like huge in the PIAA. Is that it? Yeah. PIAA it was thing. good. We had like some awesome, like we chased like field hockey team. I think we won two um, Whiffield titles under me and then the um, – the shady side, the last season I coached for them. So it was two seasons ago. I was, um, we, for the first time ever, shady side won, um, the PIAA section for women's lacrosse. Shady side has never won a section title before. So that was super exciting. But, um, but yeah, so I ended up coaching and it became like hanging out with these kids became like the best part of my day all that I loved it so much. And like these, they truly like looked up to me like a big sister and someone. And like, so I was more than coaching. I would end up talking to them about like real life things and the stresses they have at home and the anxieties of that kids are now put on to succeed and to go to these like crazy schools and to play sports. And it like, it became like me just talking to them, not as like, potential like Ivy League or D1 scholars it's like no like what do you want like what because like I my I luckily came from a home where my parents were like yeah do what you want that's okay as long as like you have a career out of it but like you don't have to be anything Mm -hmm. and I was fortunate enough to have that support but like not all kids are given that and so Um, I last, last fall was my final fall coaching. And then it became time to kind of like take a step back and focus on my business and other things going on. Um, but I had set up over the last couple of years, I had had, um, Shadyside works with high school seniors to do a senior project. If they have like a certain GPA and they're like certain class credits they have, they can take like their last couple of weeks of school and do any senior project, whether it's like working with someone in finance or a doctor or whatever. So over the last couple of years, I've had girls who coached with me come in and learn to be spin instructors over that time. Then they'd work the front desk. And if I had meetings that weren't like totally like, you know, like secretive, whatever they could, if they weren't confidential, like financial things, like I let them come in and attend if it was like something about like buying retail or whatever. And so this all, so that became this point where I was like almost considering going back to school to become a teacher that I was like, I love these kids so much. And then when COVID hit, I had already signed on with shady side. I'd signed all this paperwork that I was taking on two girls as uh, for my senior project and or for their senior project Mm -hmm. and I COVID hit the studio shut down but I still had to fulfill all of these hours for them and there was like no I couldn't get out of it and I didn't want to there are two girls that I loved very much from coaching and so and then I got the news that the studio was shutting down right before I started sessions with them and I'm like well fuck like I'm like, what am I supposed to do with these girls? Like on zoom every single day for four hours a day, four hours, five days a week. I was like, what the hell am I going to do with each other (laughs) while my life is like, I was like, Oh my God, this is going to be like the world's biggest shit show. I'm going to be a con artist and what will happen. But anyway, so I was like, you know what? No, we're going to take this as like, I'm restarting They're I'm, they're not getting the senior, as high school's ending that they probably like dreamed of. And I was like, so we're going to do this together. So I created like a complete syllabus. They became spin instructors via zoom. And I, we would go through everything every single day. Um, and they were filming classes of themselves teaching. We got them bikes. We like figured this whole thing out. And then on top of it, I gave them writing assignments each week. They had to journal every single day. And then on Wednesday, I would give them the prompt that they had to write about Thursday and we would talk about it on Friday and I would write about the same prompt. And so it became this like, while I was teaching them to 
become spin instructors, we would also discuss so much more and just being like a decent human being, which part of being a good fitness instructor is it's not about you. It's believing in other people and the goodness and what you're their safe haven of the day. And it was sort of teaching them how to find that and be that in a world that seemed like it was on fire. Um, And so I just kind of like fell in love with like kind of coaching them through their life. And it just became this like natural fit for me to start working with mostly like high school, college age girls of like, who are struggling to find their voice and their path, which is such an awkward age. And especially if you have pressure from anyone of what you need to be, what you should be, what you should be doing. And it just became something. So then I had a client that was like a professional personal coach and I started working with her and setting up that and like what it looked like. And, and then I launched it from there. So kind of I love happened. that. Yeah. Um, so now that you've been doing it for a little bit, um, what would you say is the number one like pattern that you're seeing in these girls that you've been working with for years now um, that you wish you could change? Um, I think the number one thing we see with kids these days, and this is both working with them one-on-one and it's something I noticed coaching them is we're in the generation of what we call the snowplow parent. So our generation was the helicopter parent where it's like, you kind of circled over them and like, you know, like made sure things didn't really go wrong. But this is like parents do not want any single thing to come in their child's way to the point that they'll just like clear the path. So kids don't actually learn as much how to problem solve, deal with life problems, um, and any type of thing that goes wrong, whether that's like you get a bad grade or you didn't get into the college you wanted. It's like, how can we fix this for them? And it is doing kids such a huge disservice. Like, and it's once they enter into the workforce or once they get to college, even like, it's not a mindset that professors, any type of professional boss or employee is ever going to give you that grace. So you're setting kids up to have this anxiety that like, they're just not prepared to deal with the world and anything it throws at you. And so they start to feel like when they can't handle those problems, cause they're not equipped with the problem solving mental capability, they start to develop even more anxiety, even more self doubt, and therefore are more likely to quit. Yeah. So rather than like stay and fight and endure, they'll be like, Oh my gosh, the anxiety levels, all of this and they end up yeah. quitting. So I think that is the biggest thing I've noticed is like how, do we help these kids like forge their own path, be an advocate of themselves earlier? Well, not like, like the parents, it's not like they have malintention. Yeah. It's just sort of helping them to recognize like their kids need to also learn on their own. Yeah. To then be an actual force of nature mm-hmm. later on. Yeah. And like, it's okay to fail. Yeah. It's literally only in failure that you're going to find strength and, that's what I try by like sharing my story with these kids that it's in my greatest failures that I found my most profound strengths. So it's so interesting that you say that because I have a friend who teaches elementary school and she's literally said the same thing um, about just like the problem solving skills and the um, like endurance that I mean, not saying that our generation is perfect by any means, but, yeah. and, and I, it makes me feel so old. Like, <laughs> I wish, I wish. Kids these days. <laughs> um, but we literally talk about that all, like literally everything you just said all the time. So that's so interesting. It's so funny. My one friend whose mom is an elementary school teacher said kids don't even have good motor skills anymore because they do everything on phones. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So instead of like, how we had like blocks where you'd like fit the block in the, the little hole that it, they don't have those same like motor skills to do all of that anymore because it's all on phone so it's so it's like so funny how it is like becoming yeah generational but yeah yeah 
I still think it's wild that well, two things. Number one is whenever they talk about phones, like being on the phone, we all all go like this. The kids like now like put their hand, their palm, like it's an iPhone now. Or you go which like is this. crazy. Yes. Yeah. Or they can't read cursive. They think it's another language, which I they think can't is read cursive. And I like there's like a video that Ellen posted about this like young girl trying to figure out T9 texting. <gasps> you guys remember T9? Yeah. I was a pro. Yeah. I could do it like under. The you could desk do while you're driving. I oh my gosh, I could like send text mid math class uh-huh. and like the teacher not even notice that you're like hitting the g three times to like yep. form the word the <laughs> like honestly iphones are doing kids a disservice these days because they can't see that on an iphone like you don't know what no. button you're hitting <laughs> they, they have they they have it so easy they don't even know they ask siri for everything i know they're like siri write my paper i'm like oh gosh <laughs> Uh, well in the in the spirit of starting to wrap things up a little bit um tell us about your new your new studio your big light oh my gosh so it's been very delayed with covid obviously like construction is even more delayed than it normally is which says something but that's okay we're finally rounding the corner so we're predicting like a soft opening mid-december just because it's like not a great time to do like a big launch. And then we are, we'll hopefully have our grand opening like New Year's Day going into the new year, which would be awesome. So um, but so we're in a 5,000 so square foot space, like kind of at the precipice of Forest Hills, Regent Square, Edgewood, which is like a little bit more off the beaten path. But we have this like humongous space. My sister's an architect um for Marriott and she and I have worked together to design literally the ins and outs of my dream studio so amazing it's really amazing it's complete with a complete cold brew tap system built into the check-in desk yes we have a everything (laughs) we did we have a kegerator to bring in. Like our goal is to have as much like local community sourced outreach as possible. We love that. So we'll be bringing in like breweries for Friday night and different classes. And then the way the shape, the space is shaped, it's a backwards L. So when you go in, there's a check-in with, which is with a huge retail space, which is like my second passion. The left side. So where the L is, it goes into a community flex space which will have the floor of a fitness studio, but we'll have movable furniture designed um, so that teams, once COVID kind of probably more so, could come in and rent the space, whether that's like a bachelorette party or a, a community or even a business wanting to have their team meeting where they like do fitness and then like have this big long table um, to have meetings and events. Um, or we could bring in like the latest fitness of Pittsburgh and have them demo a class at our space to help really tie the fitness community together. And then the actual spin space, which is like straight back, um, is a state of the art 50 spin bike studio. Obviously we'll be at half capacity for a while with a full state of the art lighting system, a big steel door that like traps it shut. Um, And so it's a pretty amazing space. It's like my, find like what I've loved so much about the last six years of my career is the community that I've helped to build and watch grow but there's so much segregation and separation within communities especially in the fitness space and it's a super intimidating space to walk into so my goal is to help neutralize that make it a welcoming space to all to all fitness instructors and kind of that's why we have the flex space and the cycling studio so I get to like marry it all in one to have this very inclusive just incredible studio and that's what that's what it is I cannot so oh my gosh. it sounds amazing it sounds like so much fun and I really yeah. don't like working out <laughs> yeah well you'll have to come tap it back with me I promise I make it super fun <laughs> I I will I've I've we'll make her go. a lot of this podcast but I'll, <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll get there <laughs> I get intimidated so easily but that oh one God. sounds great 
We've had a few fitness people on and now Taylor has um, basically said she will go to several fitness classes. So I got to hold her accountable. You have to, but it's like dark in there. And then like, that's why I think I would like it. And then like the beat drops and you feel like you're at a club and you're just like, everyone's like wooing and dancing and it's really fun. So fun. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sold. And it sounds so fun. And there's cold birth. How could you there's not cold like birth. You get And clothes. We have, we have La Colum confirmed. Love that. So it's still, it's get not that anywhere here. but it's in, but it's, good. it's still in PA, PA made coffee right yeah. on tap. So it'll be good. That's amazing. Good. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So final question, kind of <laughs> with everything you've been through and um, everything going on. And we talked about the studio, like, biggest dream like after everything like if you see yourself in 10 years not to be corny like where like what's the biggest dream oh gosh um so what went from like I just wanted to be someone I wanted to be famous I thought I wanted this like great like I wanted like 20 national studios whatever it is honestly I am so lucky to have like my team that has stuck with me come hell or high water for six years. I've had, and I just, I mean, I want this space to be successful. I want to find that. And I would, I would love to have my own podcast and talk show of some sort, whether it's like a funny, we can't recommend it enough. (laughs) (laughs) I would love that. But my biggest dream is honestly for like fitness to become a more inclusive and accepting environment, especially at the boutique level. And so of 10 years, if I have helped make an impact on that, that can be, even with my one small studio, that is, would be my biggest dream for it to be just a more accepting environment of all and like a less judgmental space and people to go back to why fitness is what it started. It was to, be people's shelter from the storm that they're bearing within their own lives. And if I can help give people that within the next 10 years and help other instructors and studios find that as well, that will be success. Well, we have no doubt that you're going to get there because clearly like you're a force and that's why we're so excited to have you on. So thank you so much for coming on. Do you want to plug all your stuff, tell everyone where they can find you? Yes. So you can find my studio at Steel Revolution PGH, both PGH, SteelRevolutionPGH.com online, on the World Wide Web. What are you even called these days? <laughs> yeah, um, you're the one that hangs out with kids all the time. I know. <laughs> you know I should know. They're always telling me I'm such a loser because I don't know these things. Um, Steel Revolution PGH on Instagram. And then me personally, I'm A.W. Mears on Instagram. So you can find me there too. And that's it. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming on. It was so much fun. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, of course. And so, guys, we're going to hang up now. We hope you guys have the best week, and we will talk to you soon. Bye, guys. Thanks. Hey, guys, if you liked this episode, we have a quick favor to ask. Please go ahead and rate us and leave us a review on either iTunes or Spotify, and we will see you in a couple weeks.